Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We ask for a movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, our minds, our ears, our very soul this morning, so that we take it in and become followers of Jesus evermore, growing in love and grace and mercy, all to your glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we began our series, The Parables of Jesus. A parable, if you recall, is a story that has a particular lesson associated with it. Last week, it was about the sower, the seed, and the soil. And although it sounds like an agricultural lesson, it wasn't. It was about hearing. And the question was, can hearing change your life? And the answer was a resounding yes. As a matter of fact, last week, we showed a video about deaf people hearing for the first time and what joy they had on their faces and how deeply they were moved by the act of being able to hear. In a like manner, that is what happens when God's word comes in to your heart, your soul, and it fills you. There's joy, there's being deeply moved. That was last week. This week we have another parable. And the parable is often called, Build Your House Upon the Rock. But this parable is not about a rock, it's not about granite, it is actually about hearing and doing. Last week was about hearing, this week is about hearing and doing. Now the context for this parable is pretty important. It actually comes at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest recorded sermon of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And you're probably familiar with it. It begins with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, this is a beautiful sermon, but it is a challenging, challenging sermon. Because the topics that he covers in the Sermon on the Mount, anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, love of enemies, giving to the needy, hypocrisy, judgment, prayer. There is a depth and breadth to this sermon that truly is divine. And it is challenging in a way that really, if you take it to heart, like no other sermon. But here's the thing. Our parable comes at the very end of the whole Sermon on the Mount. So the placement of this parable gives it a lot of importance. And the main point of it is, Jesus doesn't expect you to just hear his words. He expects you to do them. Surprise, right? 
He actually expects you to do them. Now, Luke has also covered this parable, and Luke adds one other detail in there that I, I like. It, uh, Jesus starts, be, just before the parable, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now, I actually have a video that covers this pretty well, so I thought I'd show the video for you. Laura. Hey, Lord. So how did it go with Kat? Did you talk to her? Oh, well, Lord, not exactly. <laughs> did you forgive her? Well, Lord, I mean, I was just thinking, like, why should I forgive her? <laughs> because I asked you to. Well, yeah, I know you did, Lord, but why? We shouldn't have to know why, just that I asked you to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, you don't understand the situation. Kathleen has an attitude problem. Laura, you believe that I know what is best for you and for Kat? Well, yeah, Lord. Then you'll do this. But, Lord... This is no different than when I've asked you to do anything else. Yes, this is, Lord. This is way different. When I asked you to quit your job, you quit. Well, of course, Lord, but I didn't like my job, so I was happy to leave, you know? I mean, this is way different. Okay, Lord, you know what? I've got an idea. How about we give it a week and I'll pray about it? Uh, I'll give you my answer now. Uh, but, Lord... Look, Kat's coming by here very soon. She's coming okay? by here? Well, yes. uh, let's go. Now's your no, chance to talk to no, her. I want you to forgive Lord, her. Lord, you don't understand it. Hey, Laura, hi. hi. It's been hi. like two wow. weeks since we've had coffee. Yeah. Oh, it has. We should totally get together this week. Oh, wow, I can't do that. I am so busy. Oh. Yeah. Well, how about next week? Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Oh. Well, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh-huh. All right. Um, I guess I'll just um, see you later then. Bye. Lord, did you hear that attitude? I thought you were going to forgive her. I thought you said we could wait a week, Lord. No, you said that. Oh, okay, Lord, you're being unreasonable, okay? Why don't you just go talk to Kathleen and have her come to me and ask for my forgiveness? Laura, you need to obey. I want you to forgive Kat. But Lord... Why do you keep calling me Lord? You won't even do what I ask. Good, good video, right? You see, to be a follower of Jesus is to say, I believe, and I will do as you say. Or as the song says, trust and obey. Right? There is no other way. So today we're going to take a look in two parts, hearing and doing, and then hearing and not doing. So, so we, we, we just have an announcement, I guess. Okay. Everybody hear that? Okay. So we're going to start with hearing and doing. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So let's talk about foundations for a little bit. If I were going to ask you to name a building, the famous building in the world, that is not on a good foundation, it would be the Tower of Pisa, right? The Leaning Tower of Pisa. It was actually started in 1173, a long time ago, 850 years ago. So um, 
It's, it's actually 185 feet tall. It took 199 years to complete it. How's that for working on a building that, that long? Now, they noticed pretty, pretty quickly, right, that the foundation wasn't solid enough, that it was shallow and it was soft, and the building started to lean. So what did they do? Did they stop? Did they say, hey, no, let's go build it somewhere else? No, they kept right on building. And in fact, some of the upper stories, they even built at an angle to try to make it look straight. How's that? Right? Stubbornness of mankind. But yeah, it didn't work. Now, in 1990, they actually closed it for almost 12 years. And engineers did a 25 million job on the tower. And they uh, got it leaning back just a little bit. And they said this should last for another 200 years or so. Okay? Now, was it the design of the building itself that was at fault? No. Was it the craftsmanship? No. It's a beautiful building. Was it the quality of the materials? No. It was because the foundation was poor. They did not build it on the right foundation. So, having the proper foundation is important for building any particular building. That's why with lighthouses, you often see them on bedrock, right? Because there are so many storms right along the ocean that would knock everything else down. So what is bedrock? Bedrock is the unmovable, should that be unmovable or immovable? Maybe both. Rock that will withstand any storm, gale, or earthquake that comes your way. It will not move. Okay. We talk about foundations, right? But just like the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil isn't an agricultural uh, message. This one isn't about actual granite or marble or, or anything else like that. This one is really about, well, what's the foundation of your life? What's the foundation of your life? And what are you building it upon? Now, God has laid out a particular foundation for all of us. So let's explore the foundation that he has laid. And we're going to go to our reading from Isaiah. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, precious, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. I want you to notice first, right offhand, that it is the Lord God who has laid the foundation. It is not mankind at all who has laid the foundation. It is the Lord himself. And he has started it with a cornerstone. So if you're not familiar with building, cornerstone. That was the stone that you put down to make sure that the building was properly aligned with everything. If the cornerstone was off, the whole building could be off. It was that the cornerstone was by which you had straight lines. 
It was plumbed properly. The cornerstone. And so God has laid this cornerstone. But I want you to notice it is a precious cornerstone. So the question that came to mind is, is this cornerstone a thing? Is it an actual rock? Or is it a who? And indeed, we don't actually have to work on solving that because Scripture is very clear. This is not a what. It is a who. And Scripture makes it very clear that the who is Christ Jesus. He himself is the cornerstone that is laid. Let's just go to Scripture for that. Peter writes about this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. I'm truncating a little bit on screen. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So this is really interesting that Peter is not only speaking about you having Christ Jesus as your cornerstone, but the church as well. He's talking about the body of believers being founded on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Paul also says the same thing in his letter to the Ephesians. says this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And this cornerstone is precious. And not only is precious, listen to this in Isaiah, it says, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. So what does that mean? Well, if Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone, we find that Christ Jesus is the justice and righteousness of God. It is by him that all things are measured. It is by him that justice comes to us. It is by him we see the righteousness of God. How is Christ Jesus the justice of God? He is the justice of God in that he bore the sins of the world. He offered a perfect sacrifice. And God who is holy accepted the perfect sacrifice. And thus, God's perfect justice was given that day. And we partake in that justice, that God's perfect justice, when we are in Christ Jesus. Well, how is he the righteousness of God? He is the righteousness of God in that he has perfect moral nature. He is perfection itself. He is the measuring stick of what is right, what is true. So when you are on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, you are on the sure, sure foundation of God's righteousness, of God's justice. So that's the foundation you and I are all to be on. 
Now there's more since we have laid this foundation. Going back to our reading from Matthew, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So you see, to have a firm foundation is more than just hearing the words of Jesus. It's putting these words into practice. What does that mean? What does that mean, putting the words into practice? Well, if you take a look at the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things is we're to love one another, right? To love one another, not just in word, but in deed to take action upon that. And that sometimes means going out of our way in helping someone. And we are to love people, even our enemies. In the series, we're going to cover the Good Samaritan. And you have to remember that Samaritan Jews were enemies. Jesus told a parable about loving your enemies. What does this mean? It means, brothers and sisters, you need to stop hating. You can't have hate be in your heart. You can't have hate dominate you. And we see that in our culture this very day. This year, an election year, I dread it because of all of the hate that rises to the surface across the board. He said, don't hate. As a matter of fact, he said this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And by the way, remember the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most challenging sermons you will ever read. He says, you have heard it said of, to those of old, you shall not murder, and everyone who murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. We are to love one another above all things. Jesus also said that we are to void lust, lust of the flesh. So we are to void those things. He also said, you have heard it said You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This means avoiding movies, TVs, TV shows, even romance novels that are not necessarily romance novels, because what they do more than anything is stir up lust. How are you? Oh, come on! Was Jesus really serious about this? Well, yeah, he was. He said, "If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better to lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell." Wow. But you're thinking, oh, come on, this is really hard. Yeah. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to die to yourself. Live for him. 
So the truth is, it, it's hard to die to yourself. But when you actually put into practice what he has said, you will grow. You will grow in love. You will grow in grace. You will grow in mercy. You'll grow in repentance. You'll grow in forgiveness. And then you will have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. See, when you actually practice, put into words what Jesus tells us, it will shape you in a way that you won't be recognizable. You think, I'm not the same person I was five years ago or 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And you are rooted on him who is the cornerstone. And even when hard times come your way, you will be able to stand firm because you are on him who is the rock. Now, I've talked about this fellow before. You probably have heard about him. Horatio Spafford, for those who are not familiar, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, and we're going to sing that for communion. So he wrote this song. But if you don't know much about Horatio Spafford, he was a businessman in Chicago in the late 1800s, and during the Great Chicago Fire, lost almost everything. So he was working on recouping, and then he was actually friends with uh, D.L. Moody, and so his, he, he and his family were to go to England to uh, do some missionary uh, Christian-type work. And uh, for, at the last moment, he had a, a business uh, arrangement of something that he couldn't go. But his wife and four daughters went on the ship. And the ship sank. All four of his daughters were killed. Only his wife survived. So he immediately got on the next boat, went to England, and as they were going across, the captain, the story account goes that the captain called him to the bridge and he said, this is the spot where your daughters lost their life. And as the account goes, he went back to his room and wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. So I'd like to read you just a little bit of what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. See, the truth is, none of us go through this life 
without difficulties, without storms battering us, with sorrows in our heart. And yet, when you are in Christ Jesus, even though those sorrows like sea billows roll, waves coming over you, you're still firm on him who is the rock. Now, it would be wonderful to leave the message right there, wouldn't it? But Jesus gives a warning. So we have to honor what Jesus said and also take the warning to heart because not only is there hearing and doing, there is hearing without doing. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now I thought just for fun, show you a couple other houses on uh, not firm foundations. So here's a leaning tower of Serhusen. I, I can't, it's in Germany. That one, that word I can get. So there's another leaning tower and a couple other houses. Yeah, um, so one house obviously crashed. I, have you ever seen the videos? I mean, there are videos of the walls literally breaking down and the houses crashing all the way down. These houses obviously were not built on firm foundations. People thought they were. People thought that this house would not fall, but it did. In a like manner, people build their foundation on things that do fall. They build foundations on things such as health, wealth, their own skills or abilities. And many people, many people build a foundation of their life on those things. I recall I was working uh, at Best Buy. I, I haven't been a pastor. <laughs> I've taken the road less traveled. So I worked at Best Buy corporate office. And I was in training and development. And this was in the early 2000s. And at that time, departments had lavish parties. I'm talking lavish parties. And you had a lot of uh, young 20, 30-year-olds. I was older than that. I was in my 40s by then. And um, yeah, they were HR nightmares, by the way, you know, because you get all these 20-year-olds around alcohol. A lot of bad things happened. But I remember talking to one young guy in his 20s, and we were talking about the future. And the only thing he had for his future is that he wanted to make a lot of money and then just retire early. I don't remember all the details of the conversation, but many years later, what still left with me was the emotion of talking to him, how empty that life is. Because as you know, wealth can easily go away. Health, as everybody here knows, can go away too, right? Our skills, our ability to do, all of those things can falter and fail. 
And when people don't have a solid foundation, what you find people doing is they try to, like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, they try to shore it up somehow, right? But that's like just putting sand on, a raw, on an improper foundation. Or they start to lead lives of quiet desperation. Some try to numb the pain through alcohol, through drugs, and other distractions. But it really doesn't work, does it? When you build your foundation upon things that shift, when those sea billows come, they will knock you flat. But here's the thing. Jesus was not talking about people who rejected him, who have no thought about him whatsoever. Remember, there on the Sermon on the Mount, there was a large, large, great crowd that he was speaking to. These people came to hear Jesus. So the warning is about the shallowness of a superficial convert. We call it in this day and age, easy believism. If I just go to church, if I just put some money in the offering, or, you know, the CEO's Christmas, Easter only, you know, if, when, if, if I do that, then I should be good to go, right? But Jesus said, no, no. If you don't actually put the words into practice, as James said, you are deceiving yourself. And when the, when the tragedies strike, when the tragedies strike, people are just adrift. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who have had no faith whatsoever, and then all of a sudden, tragedy happens, and they come in and they want to talk to me. But they just want me to fix the foundation that it, they already have. They don't want the foundation of Christ Jesus. They just say, hey, I'm in pain right now. Can you just fix the pain? And I say, no, you've got to have the foundation of Jesus. And it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to watch people go through their lives and say, yeah, that was nice, but I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for something other than Jesus. I just want to fix the pain. I actually don't want to do what he says. And so then we come back full circle, right? We come back full circle to what Luke wrote regarding this parable just before Jesus said it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now, here's something for everyone. On the sermon notes, I don't know, you probably have glossed this over so much, but at the very bottom of each sermon note, what does it say? Hear the word, apply the word, or in essence, do the word. This isn't here just because I had space at the bottom of the page. <laughs> this is here because I love you. Because Jesus loves you, and he wants the best for you. And so he says, hear my word, apply or do my word. And the people who do that, 
they're alive in the spirit in a way that others are not. So what is the hear the word, apply the word? I'm actually going to uh, use a quote from uh, one of the commentators I like, R. Kent Hughes. He said, faithful disciples are those who keep coming, hearing, and doing Jesus' words. So what does that mean? Well, you need to come to him continually. It's not just a Sunday worship. When the, by the way, Sunday worship is a good thing, right? We come together. But it is throughout the week you come to him. You get to know him more and more. And how do you do that? Well, through the word. So you hear the word. You hear it by reading, by studying. You can read it out loud if you want. And sometimes that's very helpful. There are a lot of apps, by the way, that will read aloud to you the word of God. But hearing, we've talked about, is not just... Uh, not just the physical aspect, right? But we're talking about really taking it in and letting it soak in. And so then you are continually doing the word. Not just giving lip service, but actually putting it into practice. And when you start putting it into practice, you grow in love, grace, mercy, repentance, forgiveness. And you will not be the person you knew a year ago or five or 10 or 15 years ago. That's how much Jesus loves you. Amen? Amen. Amen.